great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. From inside Highmark Stadium, maybe the site where the Buffalo Bills 2023 season came to a screeching halt. We won't find that out for a few more weeks, Ryan, but man, it's about it. I can't remember a time for the Bills where the overall vibes in the fan base about this team has been lower since I came back from Las Vegas to cover this team in 2018. Like you think about the high of that of that time, getting a quarterback, seeing the early excitement around what he what he was, and then the ascension into 2019, really 2020, and we've been living here in three and a half years of really just great football. And I think Josh Allen fittingly said it best tonight. The Bills just played bad football tonight. Bad football. Four turnovers, a battered defense that had to carry an offense that just continues to spin its wheels trying to find an answer, an inexplicable, Ryan, 24-22 loss to the hapless Denver Broncos, who are a month and a half removed from giving up an NFL record 70 points to the Miami Dolphins. The Bills' offense could only manage 22 points on 11 possessions in this game. Ryan, I think the best place to start is the question that that you uh, came up with to title this episode. Do heads need to roll? Do the Bills need to make changes to the coaching staff um, within the organization? What are those changes? And I will say, Sean McDermott was asked of this specifically, does a drastic move need to happen? And he said, he's really upset right now. He needs 24 hours to think about it, but he'll see what happens. They, there may be a drastic change that's considered in the aftermath of this game. Yeah, listen, heads do need to roll. And not all of this falls on the coaching staff tonight. None of the coaches were out there throwing horrendous interceptions like Josh Allen was. Uh, they can't help it when it comes to ball protection for James Cook. They can't help it when Gabe Davis can't haul in a pass that hit him on the hands. But this team is so undisciplined, Matt, in all three phases that that's what falls on this coaching staff. There's blame to go around. And, and you know, Terry Pagula, the owner of this team, is a billionaire with a B. So, yes, he signed Sean McDermott to an extension this offseason. But as things get worse and worse here, which, unfortunately, I feel like they may be heading that way with the, the teams remaining on this schedule, heads will have to roll here in the near future. And I, I think there might be a scapegoat here before we get to some big names. It might be and this is pure speculation on my part, a Matthew Smiley, a special teams coordinator. Uh, how much of the blame does he have in 12 men on the field for that uh, field goal at the end of the game? That's something that Sean McDermott was fuming about post-game. It's something they practiced twice this week, he said, and yet they still had 12 men on the field. Uh, Sam Martin has not been punting the ball well the past few weeks. Again, McDermott pointed it out. They're giving up big yards in the return game. This is a team that's playing poorly in all three phases, but especially on special teams and offense as of late. 
And if you're not going to go for the big names, if you're not going to go for the McDermott or the Ken Dorsey, yeah, he's still expressed confidence in Ken Dorsey. Someone's going to be the scapegoat, and I wouldn't be shocked if it was a Matthew Smiley. But the Matthew Smiley idea is complicated, Ryan. Sure. He is very heavily involved in the game management piece for this team because Sean McDermott decided to take over the reins of the defensive coordinator. And I think part of the issue here is a inability to see the whole picture for Sean McDermott and what's happening on offense, what's happening with Josh Allen, what's happening with the team as a whole, the special team lapses to me, all come back to the decision that was made in the offseason for Sean McDermott to take over the defense. Here's an idea for you. What about Joe Brady? What about Joe Brady getting fired? I, I understand that there is a an idea that Ken Dorsey has been the guy that's completely um, nosedived this offense because of the play calling. Listen, there's a lot of problems in his play calling tonight for example when did the offense finally start to shift when they got a little bit more creative with how they ran it you have dan orlovsky an analyst at espn a former nfl quarterback backup quarterback who has not coached a down in this league screaming from the rooftops for josh allen to go under center for them to run some play action. Eventually, when they finally do it, it seems like that unlocks things a little bit. They rely on their run game. This, the touchdown drive in the fourth quarter was all James Cook runs until yeah. Josh Allen ran it in the end. Like, I just feel like they have this identity that's stuck in 2020. This is not that team anymore. And they're, they're, they're banging their head against the wall coming out game after game after game trying to run you know in shotgun and I think what we saw over the course of the game was Ken Dorsey find some answers so I'll give him that credit Josh Allen continually making these mistakes these asinine throws that throw that was intercepted in the first half inexcusable you give them three points that's a difference in the game there and to me we talked about the decision-making with Josh Allen this season. I want to put some of the blame on Joe Brady. He's his quarterback's coach. Sure. For all of the, the, the growth that we saw in him under Brian Dable, and Dable gets a lot of the credit, I think Ken Dorsey deserves some of the credit for being his quarterback's coach on the sideline. Josh Allen looks despondent in press conferences on the sideline after these plays. Like, have you ever seen, Ryan, you watch most of these games on TV. Have you ever seen Joe Brady down on the sidelines screaming at Josh Allen or having any kind of animated exchange? I almost feel like he's just sitting on his hands. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And, you know, Josh Allen, it feels like we see him sitting on the bench by himself, uh, not interacting when he's despondent in those moments. And, you know, his play is unacceptable. He has regressed in terms of the turnovers, the Throws he absolutely should not be making. Uh, the th the types of throws that are hurting this team and his teammates and putting the defense in a bad spot, uh, keeping points off the board for this offense, making the, the Bills just overall as a team lose the field position battle at times. He needs to be much better. This is a quarterback that talent-wise is a top three QB in this league. But when you make these boneheaded mistakes – 
It costs this team points. It costs this team wins this season. You can go to week one against the Jets. You can go tonight with all the turnovers on this team. Uh, not being able to, to hand off the ball into James Cook's stomach for one play. He just dropped the ball before that. That's another turnover that falls on Josh Allen. He needs to be better. And if you're looking at the offense side of the ball, you know, I don't think they would move on from Ken Dorsey. I know that Brady has some experience as the as an OC in this league, so maybe it would be Brady, as you suggested, being the one that would be the scapegoat because, hey, you're supposed to be the QB coach. You're supposed to be that calming presence, the one that can get him back on track. And more times than not, we've seen Josh Allen kind of spiral out uh, more than get himself right late in games or throughout games. Here's the biggest problem overarching, and we're going to get into this game. I want to talk about James Cook. I want to talk about just the mind-boggling roster, like team management from Sean McDermott today, and I have a huge problem with it. We'll get to it in a moment. But the overarching piece that we have to talk about, too, is the problem that's now facing this organization. You have an own... I don't want to say an absentee owner. That's going too far. But there's no accountability from the ownership for this team. Terry Pagula has not spoken to the media, has not spoken to the fan base through the media since 2019 at the owners' meetings. The only time he talks is at staged events like the the on the groundbreaking for the new stadium, where there are no questions. Like, what what pressure is there to be able to put on this organization outside of the fans just voicing their frustrations with this whole situation and? From an organizational perspective, you have to now put together a plan for what this is going to look like if you don't make the playoffs. Where do you feel like the organizational leadership is? Who do you tie this ship to? Because we're maybe headed towards a divorce between Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. We have to say that plainly. There might be a situation where you might have to pick the guy that's like built this roster Versus the guy that you've kind of helped set, like lead to set this culture was here before Brandon Bean. And do we trust Terry Pagula to make that decision? And we, I mean, Bills fans, do you trust him to make this decision? And then on the other side of this, what is that going to be look like? This has the potential to be so much worse. Um, knowing what kind of lies ahead for the organization decision-making wise for what it looks like on the other side. Yeah. Listen, Terry Pagula is a hands-off owner and that's not the worst thing in the world. We see a lot of cases of these hands-on owners that uh, back up their, their teams and their franchises by being too meddling too much, getting too involved. But at the same time, it should not have been so long since he's been able to field questions since uh, we've heard from him. And, you know, you, you look at this team and you're right. Do you trust him? Because he's, you know, look at whatever team. Look at the Bills. Look at the Sabers. Uh, he's hired some real duds at times. Uh, at times for these teams, or and he's not the, you know, not necessarily the final say, but he sits in on those interviews. He seemed to find something good with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean here in Buffalo. A lot of success, but at the same time, like you said, this was a team with Super Bowl expectations that have fallen well short. And, you know, I, I can't sit here and say that the message from Sean McDermott is falling on deaf ears at this point. Um, I think as, as the year goes on, we, we might have a better grasp for that in terms of how te- 
players are responding to him. But he just might be that coach that gets you to a certain point, and then you need someone else to take you over the hump. And we've seen that in this league. We've seen coaches come in and kind of finish the job, so to speak, take those teams that have been able to get to the playoffs and go to the Super Bowl. At the end of this season, there needs to be a tough conversation or a tough decision made by Terry Pagula where he says, is this still the right head coach? Is this still the right GM? And I think Brandon Bean is still the right GM for the for the record um, to, to kind of steer the ship and get me to a, get me a championship in the NFL because right now, Josh Allen seems a little bit lost and there's way too much talent for him to be in this spot. Stefan Diggs, his contract, you're locked into him no matter what his brother Trayvon Diggs is saying on social media. You're locked into him for another season. Uh, You don't want to waste the prime of their careers. You don't want to waste the talent that is on this team. And there are a lot of offensive coordinators out there that are top head coaching candidates, Matt, that would stumble to come into Buffalo with the talent on that side of the ball and be able to, to maybe take that step to that next level. Um, coming into this post game episode of shout, I thought there was a real opportunity in this game for the bills had Josh, is this crazy to say if Josh Hallett had just played like Russell Wilson did in this game, mm-hmm. we're probably starting this show off with a completely different angle. We're starting with the way that this defense played this undermanned defense still without any type of real impact from Von Miller finding a way to control this game and keep the Bills in this game throughout. You know, you mentioned Brandon Bean. Two of his high-end draft picks coming in and, and having their fingerprints all over this game. Greg Rousseau, A.J. Epinesa with one and a half sacks in this game. Mm-hmm. Terrell Bernard, third-round linebacker, played absolutely inspired football. Like, I got to tell you, Ryan, it's amazing in a year like this where there's been so many, like, downer kind of storylines for the bills lost in the shuffle is that they found their middle linebacker Terrell Bernard has been outstanding they come in Rasul Douglas made a couple plays today there was a couple plays late where he probably wants them back but I think for his first full game as a starter there was some good stuff and and I thought that this defense did enough for sure to win this game but you have a a Josh Allen led offense turning the ball over four times to your point and just consistently shooting themselves in the foot over and over and over and over again. And we don't get a chance to talk about this defense when it's a shame because I thought they played a really good game against a Denver Broncos team that seems to be turning the corner. They know who they are. They're not going to be explosive offensive team. They're probably going to do enough on offense most of the time just to try to be in a game, try to win it late. And we can't talk about them, the Bills defense. Yeah, and I, I know, you know, you could look at the sideline touchdown to Cortland Sutton. Shaq Lawson has pressure right in Russell Wilson's face off the get-go, and he kind of throws up a, a pass along the sidelines that you would think a defender would have been able to play, but uh, they, they score a touchdown there. But overall, this defense did a really nice job of limiting points, keeping them out of the end zone until late in the game. Uh, where they're, again, rightfully so, they're very tired. They're undermanned. They're missing in this game one of their top cornerbacks, one of their star safeties. We already know the stars that they've lost throughout this year at all three levels of this defense, and yet they came out and they played a really good game. Uh, Late in this game, though, you know, what is Sean McDermott doing with that all-out blitz? After you get one sack and you make it third and long, they're out of field goal range, and you decide to play it again. You're just asking for a lob to get thrown up, a penalty to get called. We've seen it too many times, not just in Bills games this year, but in the NFL in general. 
he put his team in a bad spot. But this defense, you're right. We should be talking about them in a completely different light. This undermanned defense that did a good job against that Denver Broncos team. But instead, we're sitting here talking about an, another loss, another undisciplined Bills performance, another game that they let get away from them in a, in a season where there are no more games that they could let get away from them. And yet that's exactly what they did tonight. Josh Allen and it can sit there. Mitch Morris, you know, I respect them for saying, oh, well, we still think that oh, we still have confidence. We still believe in this team. We know we've done it before. The time's running out. There's a lot more difficult competition on the horizon, Matt. And now you've lost games to the Broncos, the Jets, and the Patriots. It's inexcusable. I asked Sean McDermott, is the culture that you've set, that we've spent years talking about, people around the league marveled at the at the culture that Sean McDermott set. Five playoff appearances in six seasons, you know, a Super Bowl contender multiple years. And I asked him, is it unraveling at all? And he said, guys are upset and they're frustrated. When you don't get the results you're looking for and you don't have maybe the production you're looking for, they get frustrated. And so I can promise you it's not for a lack of effort. Uh, we got to continue to reset and continue to make the adjustments that we need to make. Uh, I know the result wasn't what we wanted it to be, but I do think there was some good football at times being played, but not good enough. So obviously we have things to work on. Does it feel like McDermott has lost the locker room? at all to you, Ryan. I walked into the locker room post game and went up to James Cook's locker. This is a second year player. I get it. He's probably frustrated. You know, obviously what happened with him tonight, getting put on the bench for 16 straight plays. And we have to talk about that too. As a side note, I hated that decision. Like, first of all, you're in a game where your offense is obviously struggling and you're putting one of your key offensive weapons on the bench unable to play in the game. Then you have Gabe Davis, who literally, the ball goes through his hands. It is a bang-bang play. It's a hard throw. Josh throws it hard, but you have to make that catch. It ends up being an interception, a turnover. Obviously not in the same way. It wasn't a fumble, but Gabe Davis goes right back out there. And so, like, what is the message that you're sending to your team? And then, of course, Gabe Davis, we walk up to his locker, and he said, uh, I don't want to talk, or, or something along those lines, walks out. That's one of the captains. Yeah. Is Sean McDermott losing this this room? You know, it, it feels like he might be, and, and things change in the blink of an eye in this league. You know, look at the Giants. Look at Brian Dable, coach of the year last year. They are a mess this year. And again, quarterback injuries, a lot of injuries there. But if you watch that game of the week on Sunday afternoon, you saw players voicing their frustration on the sidelines. Uh, I don't want to say yelling at him, but, you know, he Dable having to follow Darius Slayton and, and kind of get in his ear and talk about it. Things change quickly in this league. And with the Bills, for as much success as they've had, they're hitting hard times this year, and they're not responding well to it. And, you know, we don't know what's going on inside of that building in terms of, of the coaching staff, in terms of what's behind closed doors. But Sean McDermott, for better or worse, went into this season and said, I'm going to be the defensive coordinator. It's going to rest on me. I'm going to take on these extra responsibilities. And while the defense was not the issue tonight, and while injuries have plagued that side of the ball, maybe he stretched himself too thin, and maybe now players are are getting frustrated. This was a team that was supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. You have guys getting off their couch in Linval Joseph because they thought they were joining a contender, and that has not been the case. You have so much money invested in players on this team, and you're sitting at 5-5, five and five, and now you have 
one of your supposed captains refusing to talk to the media after a loss in which you took points off the board by not being able to haul in a pass that hits you on the hands. You need to be able to go out there and speak to the media. How many times have we heard from guys like Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde after tough losses, whether it's in the locker room or, or in the, the press conference room? It's because they're captains. It's because uh, they know it's part of the gig. Shame on Gabe Davis for not talking to the media. James Cook can be frustrated at this coaching staff. I agree with you completely. If you take him off the field for 15, 16, 17 snaps after a fumble, Gabe Davis needs to be pulled off that field after the interception that was 100% on him. You can't pick and choose who you punish. And Sean McDermott say, my message to him was, I have, a, I have all the confidence in you. Your lips are saying one thing, but keeping him on the sidelines, Matt, is saying something completely different. It doesn't align. So if you're going to punish one player, you have to punish all of them. And, and, you know, James Cook, listen, he needs to face the music too. He fumbled on the first play. He fumbled later in the game where it bounced up into his arms, and he was very lucky to, to be able to corral that uh, and get the ball back there. He needs to own up to those mistakes too. He is not faultless in this loss, uh, but I understand where he's coming from in terms of probably being upset about being pulled off the field for a, you know, a good amount of time. Uh, I know you're all going to spend a good amount of time preparing for Thanksgiving. Uh, the, uh, the big meal is just around the corner uh, and you should prepare uh, for a Thanksgiving like no other with unbelievable savings on everything you need to create a memorable holiday meal at tops friendly markets. Need a juicy golden Turkey. How about fresh cranberries for cranberry sauce? That's bursting with tangy sweetness. Tops has got it all and more. As you plan your Thanksgiving menu, make Tops your destination for savings. All right, Ryan, we have over 300 watching on YouTube here at 1.15 a.m. The best fans in all of football, man. Like, I, I tell people all the time, they're like, oh, man, you got to do a podcast after a Bills game, like, in the middle of the night. And I'm like, there's sometimes the most we ever get live are on those late night episodes. And, you know. I get it. You just watch this game. You probably can't fall asleep. You, you're looking for an area to vent, and, and, and obviously the chat is happening right now. Uh, very uh, lively chat indeed. Where do you want to go next, Ryan? Well, you know, let's let's talk about maybe some of the po- few positives in this game. Let, let's just, before we go all negative in this, I, I do want to point out I thought Leonard Floyd had an outstanding game. I mentioned he was my player to watch. He had pressure throughout the night. Uh, I thought that overall Terrell Bernard was outstanding for this team. Dalton Kincaid had another great game. The, no matter how this season ends up, Matt, there's going to be a few positives to take out of it. And, you know, Bills fans don't want to hear that right now. They want to see this team in the playoffs making a deep run. It's not 100% doom and gloom. I, I know it's mostly doom and gloom, and I'm right there with you. There, there needs to be some accountability held here. But there were some bright spots tonight. Yeah, there were there were a few bright spots. I mean, we we talked about a couple of them on defense, and I know Taron Johnson uh, got dinged on that uh, pass interference late, but I thought he had an outstanding game. And like to me, the way this defense looks now, he is the the last standing piece that like is irreplaceable. Like if you lose Taron Johnson, like I feel like this defense just has the potential to crumble. And it's crazy because if you go back early in his career, he was a guy that was constantly banged up. He missed a couple stretches, almost got benched because he missed a stretch there, and Cam Lewis almost took the job, but then he got hurt. Um, 
you know, a bright spot in this game, DeMar Hamlin getting out there and having a chance to, you know, play some snaps in a regular season game, uh, obviously in a, uh, a loss isn't something that uh, a lot of people are, are, are going to look back fondly on, you know, James Cook, for as much as we can kind of ding him on the fumbles, like bouncing back and having the kind of impact late in the game when you got to have it late in the game, he's ripping off big time runs and the wherewithal to pick up that fumble and fumbling has not been an issue for him for the most part over the course of his uh, first year and a half in the league. I don't think it's going to be all of a sudden something that um, plagues him, uh, but it's definitely something that you want to kind of move on from uh, beyond this point. And then Dalton Kincaid, with that huge touchdown catch, um, a- another big splash play for him. Uh, there was a drop in there. Diggs had a drop. Davis had a drop. Uh, Kincaid had a drop. You don't want those. I feel like every time we bring up something positive, there's a negative that could probably go along with it. This isn't. There's not a lot of positives to take out of this game because we shouldn't be here talking about this with this team, Ryan. Like you look around the league, and you know it's there's parity in the AFC. There's a lot of good teams. I don't know how many great teams there are. And I thought going into the season, the Bills had a chance to be great because of this offense. And this offense has been great in one game this season. And it's not good enough. And here's the thing on Josh Allen. Like, something's off. I I can't put my finger on it, but he's a $250 million quarterback that just seems to have lost the swagger that, that helped propel him to the guy that we saw in 2020 and then in that playoff run in 21. And I don't know how he can get it back. I don't know if it's Dable not being here anymore. Um, I I talked, I gave some thoughts on Joe Brady and listen, I'm not advocating for anybody to get fired. Like I don't want anybody taking that out of this, but if you're looking for a place to start, if you need to make a change to me, the most important thing in this organization is the headspace and the confidence level of the franchise quarterback. And to me, that quarterback coach, in a lot of ways, has to be a therapist sometimes. And I think Ken Dorsey played that role really well for three years under Brian Dable. The other thing, too, with the Ken Dorsey uh, firing him midseason, who's going to run his scheme? Are they going right. to completely change the scheme? Aaron Cromer wasn't here under Brian Dable. Joe Brady wasn't here under Brian Dable. So they've been part of like the scheme over the last year and a half. I'm sure they could figure it out. I just don't know if that's necessarily the case. I do think that the lessons learned in this game, we even saw a fullback in there for a running play. They went 22 personnel. Like, we need some more of that. We need some more variety. But getting Josh Allen right is so important moving forward. He just doesn't look like that right now. In any part of this, Ryan, like the sideline, the the lack of communication on the sideline, in the the press conference, during the week, talking, taking – you know, perceived sh- or, uh, or whether they're they are or not perceived shots at the fans with the there's a bunch of offensive all pro offensive coordinators in the stands. I tweeted it four weeks ago. It didn't sit right with me then. Like that does not feel like the Josh Allen that everybody has come to fall in love with in this region and across the country. And to me, you have to find out as an organization what has led to this, why he seems so stressed out, like why it just doesn't it seems so hard. There's just If he's not right, I don't see how this team can be right. What's up, everybody? Matt Perino here, one half of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, here today to talk to you about Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 5 million members. It is the most fun and exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite sports and players. You just pick more or less 
on two or more player stats for a shot to win up to 100 times your cash. Testing your skills on prize picks this playoff basketball season is the most simple way to get in on the action. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and submit your lineup. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes prize picks the number one fantasy sports app. Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. No, if he is not right, this team, he, he is the one that steers the ship. And if he's not right, this team is going nowhere. And uh, your assessment is spot on. You know, the shot at the fans, of, like you said, that's not something that I ever thought we'd hear from Josh Allen. And uh, this offense is still a mess. The offense is still the weak link, and it should not be the case when you have a top three talent-wise quarterback, a wide receiver in Stefan Diggs that is top five in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. Uh, when you have guys like James Cook and Dalton Kincaid, you have a better offensive line than you've had for most of your career. Something is not right here. Something's not clicking. Uh, there was a time where I thought maybe the shoulder factored in, but it, it does not seem to be an issue right now with the with the accuracy for the most part. There was the fourth and two throw that was more him being off balance, I think, than anything else, trying to get that to Shakir. But Something in his game, in his mind, in his confidence is off right now. The Josh Allen of old on that fourth and two play would have taken off. Uh, there was an opportunity for him to run for that first down, to go one-on-one with the defender and move the chain, and instead he, he uh, opted for that play. Uh, we did see a design QB run that, uh, in this matchup, but we're not seeing as much of that this year. I don't know if the Bills tried to coach it out of him this offseason. Uh, we've heard from, you know, Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott. We've heard from different coaches saying, you know, hey, we were in Carolina w- with Cam Newton. We know the punishment that uh, these hits can take on a quarterback. We don't want anything to happen to Josh Allen. We've invested heavily in him. At the same time, you can't take that away from him completely. And it feels like they've taken away something that maybe helped him get right in games at times where maybe if it's not working with his arm, he could use his legs until he could get right. And now he's just kind of in this spot where he's lacking confidence at times. He doesn't have that voice to uh, get him on track that Brian Dable, I think, did for him. Uh, And Dable loved the guy. He would chew him out when he needed to be chewed out on the sidelines. He would praise him when he needed to be praised. We're not seeing that from any of the coaches now in game. Something is missing from the player perspective. He doesn't look right. He doesn't look the same as he has in years past. And something is definitely wrong in terms of inside that locker room, inside that coaching staff, because I feel like things have been coached out of him that allowed him to excel in the past. The Bills have been so good under Sean McDermott in the details, right? It's something that's been a buzzword that they've been bringing up over the last couple of months. Uh, weeks, I should say. And it just occurs to me sitting here right now, and we've talked around this, but I think like this to me is the central problem for this team. They don't look ready to play when they come out, right? And part of that to me feels like 
Sean McDermott can't be the CEO if he has to be the head of the board meeting every single game, every single week with the defense. And to his credit, I do think he deserves credit with the way that this defense played despite the players that they're missing tonight. Especially, you throw out Micah Hyde, too. I thought Taylor Rapp played pretty well tonight uh, in his first, like, fully advanced role. I think he, play, he started one game earlier this season, but he's he's much more further along into the system. But with Josh and the offense not clicking right, like, I just don't know if Sean McDermott is as available. And it's hard to understand that without the players actually saying that might be the case. But we have six years to go off of and this year. And it just seems like they're losing in weird ways. They're in these close games where they never played bad teams close in the past. And to me, that falls on the head coach. When you say that you practiced the dime pass defense switch to the field goal block team three, two or three times during the week for that specific situation at the end of the game, and then you screw it up. I don't think you should put it on the special teams coordinator. I think you should put it on yourself, Sean McDermott, and you should yeah. then evaluate what needs to change moving forward so that you can zero back in on the details. And this is something that's been permeating for weeks, Ryan. This isn't just a week 11 problem to solve. This was a problem weeks ago in London. This was a problem when you let Mac Jones go down the field in the fourth quarter, a guy that's now a couple weeks later benched. Right. Inexplicable losses time after time after time. And in a Super Bowl window, when you have the national conversation now shifting to not, is the, the window closed to definitively it is closed? That to me is where you have to start to make the change. Sean McDermott has to find a way. And if it's putting... Um, John Butler at the head of the table, if it's putting Eric Washington there, whoever it is, you need to rein things in on your on the details of your team being ready to play, being ready to execute, because the execution is a player thing, Ryan, but it's also a head coach thing. If your players aren't executing, there is a role that you play in it, and right now he's not doing a good enough job of it. No, he has stretched himself too thin. It's something I said earlier in the show because – he wanted the defense run a certain way, but his mistake was not having that heir apparent for when he moved on from Leslie Frazier, which is what the Bills did. Uh, I know the whole exit was odd and bizarre, but at the end of the day, they moved on from Leslie Frazier. McDermott wanted to run more of his aggressive style defense, but now it's leading to these mistakes, these costly, costly mistakes where he maybe cannot focus on that or he's not as in tune to it. If he was just that, you know, solely the head coach right now, I, I just feel like something would have been different on that field goal attempt. I think he would have been counting to make sure there's only 11 guys on that field. Those mistakes should not be happening in week 11 or, you know, or after a Monday night football performance this late in the season. These are mistakes that uh, are inexcusable, are things that, uh, you know, like you said, he had things dialed up a certain way when he was the head coach. I know they've always been a pretty well penalized team, but for the most part, they didn't make these boneheaded mistakes that they're making late in games where, you know, the bills and the Broncos just kept gifting each other the game back and forth, back and forth. And at the end, it was the bills who gave it to him one last time on that 12 men on the field penalty. And, you know, you can look at Matthew smiley. You can look at whatever player was out there that shouldn't have been, but it falls on the shoulders of the head coach 
And right now this head coach might just have too much going on, trying to get everything right on the, on the defensive side of the ball with all these injuries in place. And the defense did a fine job, but he should have had an heir apparent, someone on this coaching staff calling the plays for him, where if things weren't going right, maybe then he could have taken over, called some plays, worked with that coach in game. It's, it's leading to too much right now. And I feel like this has kind of blown up in his face. Broncos possessed the football for 37 minutes versus 22 for the bills. Hmm. I'm just gonna throw some numbers out there and, and it, you can react to, to any of this. Cause some of it is just mind blowing 10 penalties for the Broncos, only five for the bills, 369 total yards for the bills, 300 for the Broncos, 4.2 yards per play for the Broncos versus 7.1 for the Bills. Um, three for eight on third down. So the Bills, 38% on third down. The Broncos were a little bit better, 42%. Eight of 19, one for one on fourth down. Uh, two for three in the red zones. So the red zone defense wasn't great for the Bills. And then um, the Broncos were sacked. Russell Wilson four times, who I thought was moving around really well. I mean, he did look like old school Russ Wilson without the like explosives. So I thought this was a um, pretty good offense. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking at pops mafia. He says, can you hear Matt? I don't know. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, we can hear, I can hear you just fine. So I think you're all right. And shout out to Deborah for the, uh, super text or super chat here. We appreciate you and staying up with us late at night. You know, the time of possessions, part of that was the turnovers. The first play of the game, you turn the ball over. That's a short possession. Josh Allen right before halftime, turning it over. That's a short possession. Uh, you, you led, you know, you gave the Broncos more opportunities to keep the ball. And then in the second half, Russell Wilson, actually all game long, I thought Russell Wilson did a good job using his legs. I felt like the bills were getting pressure from the outside, but the middle of the field was open for him and he would take the yards. He would slide. He'd move the chains, live for another day. He played smart. He, he was not the prime Russell Wilson uh, but he was a good enough version to obviously at the end of the day win this game. And he didn't blow anyone away the last game against the Chiefs, but he did enough to win that. They're not a good team. I'm sorry. At the end of the day, this Broncos team is not a good team. Uh, and that's something I'm sure Sean Payton will fix and correct, given more time there to get in his players, his personnel, uh, his coaching staff, if he has to lead to some turnovers there but it's a game that the bills have absolutely no excuse to lose even with the injuries they've had on the defensive side of the ball the turnovers are killing them some of the coaching decisions are killing them i go back again taron johnson's penalty late in the game you mentioned it he has been one of the defensive mvps of this team so i i don't take too much out on him i thought he actually played it fairly well after getting beaten off the line the way he did he tried to turn for the ball it was underthrown though uh, we've seen time and time again the refs throw a flag in that situation. But why are you putting yourselves in that situation in the first place? After you successfully sacked Russell Wilson, you backed them out of field goal range. If you stop them on the next play on third down, they likely attempt a long field goal with the winds the way they were blowing. We saw how that 41-yarder went. Uh, maybe the Bills get out of there a little bit earlier with the win. But instead, they call an all-out blitz again, and it leads to that play. It leads to the field position to kick the field goal at the end to win the game. It's just failure across the board from the players with the mistakes that some of them are making to this coaching staff, and it's inexcusable. 
You mentioned that the Broncos aren't a good team, but you know what they have? They have a good head coach that has a Super Bowl championship, and he outcoached. He came into Buffalo tonight, yeah. and he outcoached Sean McDermott. You know what? Just in the simple fact that his quarterback, who is a self-proclaimed uh, unlimited uh, kind of quarterback, uh, I do think he's limited, though, Russell Wilson, just, just so yeah. everybody knows. Um, you didn't get my joke there, Ryan. Remember no, the video? Mr. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, Mr. I remember. Limited. Mr. I, I, I said it like that. Excuse me. Um, came in here with Russell Wilson, who has just stunk up the place for years, and coached him up on the value of smart football, not turning the ball over. And to me, Josh Allen gets himself into these just crazy spots because I do think he's frustrated with it's not as easy as it was once, right? Like you go back to 2020 when they were just running. I was about to say something inappropriate. When they were just absolutely steamrolling teams offensively, putting up 30, 40 points a game. Like remember when they played this Denver team a couple of years ago? And what was that, 48 points to, to clinch the division? There, It's not that easy anymore. And I wonder if the frustration level that Josh has in that part of it is why things, sometimes he just forces throws that just aren't there and it's you get yourself into a worse situation and compound things and then force yourself into a situation where you have to make these great comebacks or you know come from behind late in games russell wilson last year was one of the worst quarterbacks i've ever seen in this league and in, in, in terms of a what happened to this guy and like you said sean payton comes in talks to him about the value of protecting the football Talks about you know knowing when to take your shots, when to uh, when to make these certain throws, and to his credit, Russell Wilson has done enough in two games the last two weeks to beat some pretty good teams talent wise. I know the Bills record wise are not a good football team. It might be deja vu in Buffalo, like it might be a very similar situation to Buffalo. They might have to make a very tough decision at the end of this year, whether it's Sean McDermott or Ken Dorsey but they might have to find a guy that can sit down with Josh Allen and say, listen, and, and talent-wise, Allen is in a completely different stratosphere than Russell Wilson. But you need to bring someone in, apparently, or what it feels like next year, that can sit down with Josh and call him out on his flaws. Sit there and say, you are an arm talent unbelievable out of this world. You can use your legs. You can do everything that we ask. But it's the the boneheaded plays. It's the the plays where you are, I'll use the word selfish, you're being selfish and putting the ball at risk of getting turned over and you're hurting this team. Someone that needs to have a brutally honest conversation with him and get him on the right page going into 2024 because as much as Josh Allen and this, the players on this team can say there's still time to right this ship, I will be absolutely stunned if it happens. And I will eat crow and I will be happy to eat crow and be wrong. But this team right now, it looks like Allen is uh, not learning from his mistakes. It looks like there's no re uh, repercussions for these mistakes. And, and listen, there's no one to bench him for. I, I saw some people on Twitter saying bench him, put him. No, no fan in their right mind wants Kyle Allen coming in to a close game, trying to get that, him to win this game. I get that the Bills can't bench a guy like that. And you don't want to bench a guy like that. But you need someone that can get through to him and say, you need to stop these mistakes. You need to be able to go up and down the field and dink and dunk if need be. 
he did it at times in his career, and he did a really good job of it. And he frustrated defenses because he showed he was willing to take what they were giving him. Now he gets a little bit too arrogant with his arm at times, and it leads to these mistakes. And the Gabe Davis interception, the one that bounced off his hands, that's not on Allen. But Allen has to be better with those sideline passes. He's been duped in interceptions like that the last two weeks. He's thrown interceptions the last five or six games. He needs to clean this up. He has, and he's a big reason why they're at five and five right now, Matt. So much to get into this week, Ryan. There's so much to kind of think back and collect our thoughts and and really dive even further into this game and this season. And, you know, we're going to start to turn the page. I think you, uh, did you tweet it? Um, you know, it's been a while since you did start thinking about mock drafts this early yeah. in, in the process. I mean, that that's something that's going to start to happen here. You, you know, and it, it was it this off season that Brandon Bean said, I hope I'm never as bad as the Bengals were to be able to get a Jamar chase or something like that. Was that two off seasons ago? No, this was this past off season. Past off season. And now, you know, listen, I don't think they're going to be bad enough to get a Marvin Harrison, you know, or a Harrison jr here or anything like that, but they're trending toward being in a spot where, okay. Yeah. Fans don't want to hear it, but it's going to be mock draft season early on. And, we're going to be talking about what wide receiver can come in here and be the heir apparent to Stefan Diggs, whether that's a first round or a second round talent. Uh, they clearly don't have a number two. They have a player in Gabe Davis. That's a really good number three masquerading as a number two on this team. I think we've learned that uh, he is not worthy of a number two wide receiver type of contract extension. If you can get him at a wide receiver three numbers, which easier said than done, by all means, do it, but he has proven he is not that answer. I, I know there's been games where it doesn't all fall on him, but we're, we're going to be talking about the Bills maybe getting a young, promising star to help Josh Allen to be that guy for when it is time to move on from Stefan Diggs or when Diggs's contract is movable. Uh, I think 2025 is truly your first out if he wants out or things like that. You need to have someone ready to go, so... We need to start talking about the options out there. And, uh, you know, luckily for the Bills, I, I feel like there's some really high-end level talent at wide receiver in this up, upcoming year's draft. I mean, I don't know how you're Brandon Bean and you don't watch Tank Dell come in and have the immediate impact in Houston that he's had and not want to yeah. add one of those kind of players for Josh Allen in this offense. And the the unfortunate part for Brandon Bean and the the, the stark truth is that you have money put in certain positions and players that they're just, they're not movable. Von Miller's you're stuck in that next year. Yep. You're stuck in digs next year. Josh Allen is getting paid. Uh, you're stuck in Milano. You extended him. You're stuck in Deion Dawkins. You just restructured his contract. You're pretty much stuck in Tredavious White. You could probably get out of that, but what does that whole situation look like? So you're going to have to hit in a, in, in a draft now where you have a lot of picks and, you know, they go out and they trade a third rounder for Rasul Douglas. And now you're wondering if maybe that was a poor decision because, you know, you get the fifth back and I get that and you can kind of maneuver some things around, but um, there's so much to get into. And listen, the next couple of days, this is a hard week for Bills fans. Like it's been building. It's been, it, it, it's been ascending to this season for like, you know, this is the go for it year. Everything was aligned. Everything was in place. And it feels like the season's over after 10 games. And you're going to probably want 
to vent about it. And so the best time to become a Shout Bills insider in season this week, do it 716-528-6727. That's 716-528-6727. Send us a text. Let us know what you're thinking. Questions, comments, complaints, concerns. Send them to this shout text line. Um, we will get, try to get back to every single one in the coming days. I'm actually going to just reserve some time to go through everything that you guys said. I'm sure we got some stuff in there from oh, tonight's yeah. game that we're going to kind of dial into tomorrow. Um, get that free two-week trial. It's $3.99 a month after that. And the shout text line is brought to you by Carrie C. Byer, attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Litro, located at 237 Main Street, Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give him a call. 716-852-1234. That's 716-852-1234. Check out LitroLaw.com. All right, Ryan, final thoughts before we get out of here. Yeah, final thought, you know, you know, let uh, let us be your therapist, Bills Mafia. Vent to us on the Shout Insider text line. There are some contracts that the Bills are locked into that I think they're happy to be locked into that you mentioned, the Milanos, the Deion Dawkins, who's a bounce back here. I actually do like the Rasul Douglas trade, despite the fact that they've lost uh, both of their games since they've acquired him. He's under contract for another year. I think you might have to move on from Trey White, and this ensures that you have a uh, CB1 on your roster. I see the comments in the chat. You know, the Super Bowl window, it might be closed for this year. I think it's closed, and you're putting uh, some borders up over it as well. Uh, but I don't think it's closed permanently. If you if you end up moving on, again, hypothetically from Sean McDermott, you get a Ben Johnson in here. You get an offensive mind. It doesn't take much to get this team back on track, but they also have to hit in this upcoming year's draft. They have to start looking to the future for replacing the Micah Hydes and Jordan Poyers of the world. Uh, the veteran options that they have there simply don't cut it, in, or the younger players, excuse me, that they have behind them don't cut it. So it, it's tough, but the Bills are going to have some really tough decisions to make. Uh, stay with us, and, and we'll help navigate you through those decisions, Bills Mafia. For Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. We'll be back uh, in week uh, to get you ready for what's now. I mean, if do or die wasn't this week, it's definitely next week. Bills versus Jets right back here, Highmark Stadium next Sunday. Um, not a eight o'clock game for a change. So that's kind of nice, but we got a bunch of four o'clocks coming on the way. He's Ryan. I'm Matt. See you then everybody. Take care.